Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable. Our affordable $199 GRE course includes everything you need to ace your GRE. A full textbook, tons of GRE questions backed by our memory science algorithm, and a full length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Uh, and today I've got a really exciting guest on the show. Uh, his name is Vince Kochian from Kochian Jiri Prep. Kochian, excuse me. Kochian, Kochian, yeah, like coaching a team. <laughs> got it. Yeah, so uh, Vince, do you want to introduce yourself for a moment? Yeah, thank you for having me on, Tyler. Uh, my name is Vince Kochian. I've been a Jiri tutor since 2008. One of the few people out there who only does Jiri, that's all I do 100% of the time. Um, some of my claims to fame include... Um, making LinkedIn's Jiri course. I've co-written books for companies like Barron's. Um, I've created a few different Jiri apps, like a vocab app, a math app. Um, and I actually teach part-time at GregMat, another Jiri tutors platform. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very active on the Jiri Reddit. So Jiri is basically my life. <laughs> this is all <laughs> I do. So um, yeah, always kind of fun to talk about it with another you know, person who's experienced with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And really glad to have you on the show, um, both for your experience and just also like, I feel like you've, you're someone that I've seen in the space for a long time. Um, so glad to have you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, um, Oh yeah. The, so the first topic, um, for today, um, that we want to talk about was the, how to create a GRE error log. Um, and creating one that is really useful and, and impacts your score in a positive way. And I, I really like this topic because I feel like it's something that it it's part of the process of studying that maybe people don't like. It doesn't it isn't something that necessarily you did in school or other places. So you're not necessarily um, something that comes to mind top of mind, but it's a really helpful tactic for preparing for this exam. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think that one thing that's really interesting to see is a lot of people who you see really high score reports from, um, you know, both for my own students and students I see like on Reddit, um, they, mm-hmm. they end up taking the test either just once or maybe a second time. But a lot of times they'll say, hey, my, I, I did an error log. And it's like, huh, they, they have to tend to have this in common that they are willing to take the time to analyze their mistakes. So um, super crucial part of, of GRE prep. And I think if you're willing to do it, it's really going to help. Um, so I'll just kind of jump into what I usually tell people for this stuff in terms of how we use an error log, what should go in it. And I think mm-hmm. really the key is to keep it simple because it's extra work and extra effort. And you're already busy. You know, you're already doing a lot of problems. So you probably want, you don't want to make it too much of a chore and make it this... Uh, you know, really super methodical thing where you're, you know, filling out, you know, crazy fields on a spreadsheet. I would usually just recommend <laughs> a, you know, say to yourself, okay, um, I'm, I'm probably made some mistakes when I practiced. My goal here is to look at those mistakes in such a way that I actually learn something about the test and I make myself better by analyzing them. So, the big mistake I think a lot of people make when they're correcting their mistakes is that they just look at the answer right away. And this is just 
just kills any, you know, a lot of the benefit of, of <laughs> re reviewing that question, because as soon as they know the answer, it's going to make sense to them. And it kind of creates the illusion that they can do the problem because quote unquote, they right. understand the problem. And what I want people to do instead is to figure out a way to correct your work so that when you look at the problems that you got wrong, you don't remember the answer. And this is going to give you an opportunity to redo the question. And you want to try to redo the question from a blank page. This is part of the error log process. And, you know, obviously don't spend more than a few minutes struggling with it. If you can't do it, maybe you save it for another, another day, or you can look at the solution at that point, but do try it. And that's kind of the goal get it right the second time. And then mm -hmm. usually what I want people to do is just kind of keep it pretty simple and write down, okay, why did I get this wrong? Um, it could be almost any reason, but a lot of times they misread the question. They didn't know how to do it. Uh, maybe it was vocabulary, um, but keep it simple. Um, but you do want to kind of be honest with yourself. What was the reason behind that mistake? And then I usually just ask people to revert down something simple like, okay, what do I want to do next time differently? And this is kind of preparing yourself for the inevitable future question that's similar because the jury is standardized, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to encounter a similar situation again, and I want them to kind of train themselves to react better to it. Um, but really that's about as complicated as I like to make it. I used to, honestly, I used to make it a lot more complicated because there were all these, you know, different questions I would tell people to answer. And I realized if it's too complicated, they're not going to do it. Um, and right. that's probably going to give you 90% of the value of doing an error log, what I just said. Um, and then the final thing is you want to look at your error log and say, okay, here's a bunch of questions I got wrong in the future. At some point I need to come back to these questions and I need to redo them. Uh, from a blank page again, after I've hopefully forgotten the solution. Now you might mm -hmm. remember the question, but you probably don't remember the exact steps of the solution. Ideally you do the question again at some point in the future so that you can say to yourself, okay, I can do this question like le legitimately now. Um, right. I would you also say it's worth like, let's say you got like a quantitative comparison question wrong. Would it be worth just doing other questions of that same type as well? Because I think that's like for us, at least with our like study program, that's part of what we do to drill it into people and get them to do the underlying concept. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, inherent in the airlog is is it's going to inform your additional practice, right? Right. So like if you got a certain type of question wrong, that's going to be a good thing for you to focus on maybe the next day or the, the same day and say, okay, I need more work on this, or I need more work on this concept or this question type. Um, and of course there's a, there's a wide variety of resources we can use to do that, but sure. Yeah. That's definitely a good, you know, impetus to like practice the kind of thing you had trouble with. Right. And so when you're, when you're building the airlog, it, it sounded like you, you mentioned, you don't want this to be this huge complicated spreadsheet. But like, it sounds like the key things in it are, you know, obviously what's the question and what's like mm -hmm. the section that it's in. Um, and then is there, what else? Like you mentioned also, um, you know, why you think you got it wrong. Like, how do you kind of like fill that field in? Like, are, are there different kind of types of errors you look for? Yeah. I mean, you can probably, I think there there's companies out there that I've seen who have kind of like master lists of reasons you might have got a question wrong it could be anything from 
a careless error, you know, maybe like a calculation mm -hmm. error if we're talking about quant. Um, maybe it was a conceptual weakness if it's quant. Maybe it's vocab if it's verbal. Um, maybe, you know, it's something where you didn't fully understand what the question was asking. So there's there's a lot of different reasons that you could get something wrong. And, you know, the the more specific you get with those reasons, probably the better. And it is actually kind of helpful to notice the patterns there. So if you're, you know, coming up with the same reasons again and again, and a lot of times we see this very, you know, very common with careless errors, like, oh, hey, I keep mm -hmm. making high percentage of careless mistakes. Then it's a real, it's a real kind of um, indicator that you need to do something differently. Yeah, no, that that's great. Anything else on, on the airlock topic that you wanted to cover? Uh, I usually tell people, you know, spend the most energy with ETS with an error log. There's, there's a big danger if you're doing third party quant, especially, uh, and everybody does third party quant for repetition's sake, but what we don't want to yeah. do is we don't want to stress out about some, some of these random third party quant questions that we can't do because it might be a bit of a waste of time. There might be a big opportunity cost to fighting with a Manhattan five pound quant question for 10 minutes you know, because it might be unrealistic. So why, why are we fighting with it? So I usually tell people, look, ETS questions are where you really want to do the error log, um, you know, for the most part. Um, and just think about like how much time you really want to spend on, you know, that third party quant material, especially if for most of that chapter, let's say you, you got everything right. It's like, don't worry so much about the random questions in those books. Because there are a lot of random questions out there that people have written that aren't that realistic um, um, from some of these companies. So um, right. really and, focus on and ETS. I think, yeah, exactly. It's also like ETS makes the test. So they are the source of truth <laughs> yeah. in all of this. <laughs> exactly. The so that's, I like that. The source of truth. That's a... <laughs> Makes it yeah. seem a little religious, but whatever. That's that's perfect. That's that's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> and then, um, and the, I had another, I had another thought on that. Oh, um, when you're doing the ETS power prep tests, like, do you feel like it's worthwhile maybe to purchase an additional one or two, like as you're getting close to test day, just to really make sure you've got this stuff nailed? Yeah, I always recommend. I mean, if you're a if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like pretty much you know, you're serious about your GRE prep. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely do all five power preps um, just mm -hmm. because it's like, again, with the, the source of truth, it's like, hey, why wouldn't you want to see all the permutations of questions that they have released? Um, it's just going to make you better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Vince. Anything else yeah. before we wrap up? No, I think I think that'll do it. Yeah, just keep it simple, but but definitely spend some time in it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, this has been yeah. Jiri Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable. You can try our Jiri course for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off if you like it.